1: This is kevin Folger, and this is labors in the harvest podcast i want to thank you for joining us today for this episode of labors in the harvest and again we're grateful for those folks who make regular part of their uh, time to join us when we drop one of these new episodes for those who may be the first time it's our prayer that this will not be your last time but you'll find that uh, there's something that uh, happens as you listen to our conversations that perhaps god stirs in your heart to do something more for him The whole uh, idea of labors in the harvest is the fact that uh, there is a harvest and God is looking for labors to be involved in the harvest. My travels recently have taken me to Canada. I am in British Columbia today and we're sitting in a classroom at the Bethel Baptist Church in Duncan, uh, British Columbia on the island of Vancouver or Vancouver Island and I'm with a friend that I've met several years ago, uh, Pastor Sean Beliveau. Brother Beliveau, thank you for joining us here for Labor's in the Harvest podcast. Well,
2: thanks Brother Folger for asking me to be on. It's my privilege to join you today.
1: Well, we're glad to have you. So we, uh, I want to just have a conversation with you and if you'll just um, you know, answer the questions as we kind of pose them and however the Lord leads you with that, that's a sure. blessing. Would you kind of share with the folks how long you've been here and, uh, in Canada and, and uh, specifically here in Duncan?
2: So we moved, uh, we moved to Canada. I was born and raised in Manchester, New Hampshire. My family and I moved here in January of 2000. So we've been in Canada for almost 23 years. It'll be 23 years in January. Uh, we were in Burnaby for five years. We were in downtown Vancouver for 12, and we've been here in Duncan for the last five years. So,
1: so for the folks obviously who are not a part of uh, or have not been here, obviously you'd have to pretty much come to Duncan on purpose. It's not a place that most people would find themselves in. It's a beautiful area. Um, British Columbia is absolutely gorgeous, specifically the island area uh, of where you're located. And uh, we've got all these beautiful inlets and, uh, of course, lead to the Pacific Ocean and mountains everywhere. Just beautiful, beautiful scenery. But the church that you're in is an old church, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. I'll give a little bit of the history of the church here.
2: So in November it'll be we'll be celebrating 85 years of God's uh, goodness really, and God has been good to the church. Uh, it was planted uh, back in 1939, 85 years ago, uh, really out of a ministry down in Victoria, and uh, through its 85 years, it's had its ups and downs as every church has. However, they have been. Uh, They've been responsible for planting other churches here on the island, as well as helping other ministries on the island, and uh, there's no doubt I meet people today who, in fact, I just met with somebody uh, who contacted me, wanted to come and talk with me, and uh, was saved here at the church, uh, baptized, married here at the church. And so when you have an 85-year-old church in a small town, Duncan Proper is only 2,995 people last census. Um, you meet a lot of people like that who, you know, they grew up here. They used to go to youth group here. Or they used to do this, and so it's got a rich history.
1: Yeah. Well, this uh, the building mm-hmm. that the church meets in is yeah. an older building, but it's a really well done, and uh, God is blessed in the sense that there's, you know, it's just it doesn't feel old. It. It maybe on the outside looks a little bit older than it is, but uh, the truth is, is that uh, it's a beautiful facility. I uh, have a nice auditorium, have lots of classroom space and uh, fellowship areas. And that's kind of unusual for churches in Canada. Would you agree?
2: Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, a lot of my friends on the mainland do not have their own buildings and yeah. so, yeah. and even uh, some on the island are still renting. Yeah.
1: And there's reasons for that, of course, uh, you know, like any church plant, not most church planters don't have a lot of money unless God just kind of drops a building in their lap. But real estate in Canada is pretty expensive too, specifically when you get to areas like this, mm-hmm. uh, where they're, you know, um, Lake Duncan is uh, an area that's being developed and uh, people are moving here. But, um, you know, um, like anything else, I think probably costs in, in Canada have escalated tremendously, specifically in real estate. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, real estate has really gone up. I do think, uh it seems to be getting harder for churches to, to be able to find property mm-hmm. or buildings. I don't know why that is, uh, but it just seems to be a bigger challenge than it's been right. in the past. So you've got the price, and it just seems you've got some other, whether it's uh, city requirements or people willing to rent to you, mm-hmm. obstacles as well. Right,
1: okay. Well, we just had breakfast with a couple of other pastors here on the island, and the indication is is that they're, they too are, you know, don't have the facilities that you have, in some of the meeting and. In like halls, places like so, they'll clearly have to set up and take down every service. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, that's not uncommon for church planners in the United States. But the the idea that hey, at some point we can perhaps have a building is is something that perhaps is even probably maybe even more of a stretch here in Canada. But God can do things, and we know and understand that buildings aren't essential, but they sure do help when you have one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's talk a, a little bit about your life's journey because that's really what Labors and harvest is about. It's conversations about people in their life and the journey that God yeah. has brought them on. And we always like to say to people, you know, you look at someone, and you say, well, I'd like to be where that person is, or I'd like to, uh, I wonder how that person, you know, they're, they're different than I am. I could yeah. never do that. And we just like folks to understand that God takes us on a journey and nobody gets any place without going through a process, right? There's a product that comes out of the process. And so let's talk a little bit about the process in your life. So if you would, you, you mentioned you were you were born and uh, grew up in New Hampshire, is that correct? Yes, okay. Manchester, New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, your salvation, how did that? How did God work in your life to bring you to, to himself?
2: Well, I was uh, brought up Roman Catholic. Um, I wouldn't say we were staunch, semi-practicing. Went to Catholic school, grade one to grade eight, Public high school, grade nine to twelve. Uh, I tell people I always believed there was a God, a dev- devil, heaven, and a hell. I wanted to go to heaven, not hell, certainly not purgatory. You know, growing up Catholic, and so I tried very hard to be a good a good boy. Uh, my mom will tell you I was the perfect I was the perfect kid, uh, but I really wasn't. A lot of what I did was kind of behind the scenes. Didn't want to get caught um but i never really you know i was not the troublemaker in school i made a profession of faith my mom was the first one to trust christ as her savior my sister was shortly thereafter uh i made a profession of faith when i was 12 but i you know nothing really changed uh not at 12 did anything drastic but nothing really changed and i spent uh all of my high school years uh my early adult years um just i call it just living a selfish aimless life. I had no goals. I just wanted to, you know, I worked a job, just wanted to get to Friday to have fun, uh, all of that kind of stuff. But in my early 20s, um, I began to realize my dad did eventually trust the Lord as his savior. I began to realize they had something that they didn't have. So I started attending a good Baptist church um, and I made a second profession of faith. And you know, really thought that I was saved, but I and I got involved. And once I, you know, I, I was doing anything and everything that they would allow me to do. But I went through a two-week span where where I was under deep conviction. Um, for the first time, saw myself as a sinner. I don't think I had ever really done that. But I was embarrassed because I was so involved in ministry that if I do this, I'm going to look bad. But the conviction was so bad, and, and God was using a verse, it was Ephesians 2, 1, and you are the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. I think as I thought through it, I saw myself as a sinner, and I realized I don't really have eternal life. And so it was 3 o'clock, middle of the night, I woke up with that verse just going through my mind, trying to ignore it and shake it. But finally about 4 o'clock, I just went into the bathroom of all places by the bathtub and just said, God, I can't stand this. I want the eternal life only you can give. And from that moment on, I've never doubted um, my salvation. It's been wonderful. I tell people, I think what I did for a lot of years in my quest to be good, I wanted to be good enough for God. So Mm -hmm. I did a lot of conforming and reforming, Mm -hmm. but I had never been redeemed till then.
1: So you mentioned that your mom and your sister got saved before you did. How did that happen? How, how did, what God used in their lives?
2: So my mom went to some sort of, she began searching, and she went to, she says it was a Catholic meeting, but she said a guy got up and preached the gospel. Really? Uh, straightforward, uh, that you know, you know, there's only one way to get to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. Uh, I think she said he used 1 Corinthians 15. This is what the gospel is. And she said it came together for her. She realized that you know that's not what she had heard her whole life. It's what she needed. And then uh, she started, you know, she started doing devotions with my sister and I. My dad didn't want anything to do with it. Um, and so each night after that, that's the change. The first change I remember in our home is every night she'd say, "Okay, we're going to sit down and read a portion of the Bible. We're going to pray." And, and she would tell us how much God loved us. Jesus died for us and uh, my sister followed shortly after that. So.
1: Well, that's, that's that's awesome. And then you found a, a Baptist church, and um, did someone invite you, or how did that, uh, that develop?
2: Sports, oh, so sports? they, yeah, ah, yeah okay. sports, that was it. So uh, I always wanted to play pro ball growing mm-hmm. up, and so the church I, uh, obviously, eventually sent us out to come to Canada. They were involved in a Christian softball league and there was the pastor's oldest son, who I still know today. Uh, he and three of his friends were home from college for uh, summer break. They were out on their Tuesday night soul-winning visitation, and they came to visit me. Four guys came to visit me. I felt like I was being ganged up on. Mm. And but they were good. They just uh, and I found out later it's because my sister had asked them to go, uh. and uh, she was burdened. So they did, and uh, they just asked me to come and play softball they needed a first baseman I said I can play first but the rule was you had to attend at least one service mm-hmm. a week so mm-hmm. to play ball I said all right I'll go to church once a week <laughs> very,
1: very good well God uses all kinds of things they're like hooks in the water right yeah, to, yeah. to draw people and that's that's great yeah. so you get saved and uh, you know you're, you're growing in your faith so talk a little bit about that process uh, you know being involved at, why is that essential for somebody that's really wanting to to be used of the Lord?
2: I I think, you know, for me it it was important because I, as, you know, little do you realize later in life you're going to have to learn to walk with the Lord on your own and not on someone's shirt tails. Um, you know, one of the best things they did is they immediately the church I went to they immediately the assistant pastor took me under his wings. And he gave me, he just started with trying to get me into the Bible every day. And he gave me um, some our daily breads. And that's how I started my devotions. Uh, I would read that little portion, have a little bit of prayer time. And then he started a discipleship with me. And so I think that, you know it was important for me, I, they were teaching me that I have to walk with the Lord, you know, because there's been times in the ministry where, that's been the only source of strength sometimes, and uh, and then also, but the fact that they took me under their wings and he took me once we were done that he he started taking me out soul winning. I think that's where I began to learn it. Uh, but that afforded me opportunities to ask questions too. So I I think that you know the dual side of what the Bible teaches that walk with God, but also that strengthening of one another.
1: Mm-hmm. So. There's a common thread that I have with uh, when, when I do these uh, conversations with folks, and it's always seemingly that God has used a person uh, to be like a Paul uh, or like a Barnabas wrapping their arm around somebody to try to encourage them early on in their life. Now, you know, we get to the point where you know, after we're kind of established, then we start doing the same thing, but that's so essential, isn't it? That yeah. people. Find someone who perhaps they can invest in and make a difference in oh, their life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: let's talk about the the call to ministry because you know you're saved. You're now in the ministry. This is some years removed from your salvation. Um, so, how how what did God use to to and how did God stir in your heart to have a desire to be involved in ministry?
2: So, it was it was our missions conference week. Um, and, well, actually, rewinding just a little bit, going back maybe a few months before that, I, had, I thought maybe the Lord was doing something. I went to our pastor privately. I had a very good relationship with him. Just asked him if he'd pray about this. I'm not really sure. So, you know, I was praying, he was praying. And I worked, at the time, I worked in a glass factory. Um, probably the most boring job I ever had, but, uh, I had a 45 minute lunch break and because I started so early in the morning, I started at seven. My devotion time was my lunch break. I worked with a lot of guys who drank on their lunch break. So it was a perfect time for me to go sit in my car and it was Wednesday. I remember it vividly because that night was going to be the first night of our missions conference that year. It always ran Wednesday to Sunday. I was reading Romans. Uh, I read Romans chapter 10 all the way down to verse 13. I was going to stop but I had a few minutes and I kept reading and from those verses all the way down to verse 17 I knew I knew for sure that the Lord was calling me to to preach. I didn't surrender. I didn't want to surrender. Um, and so went to went to the missions conference that night. Just the short version just, you know, if you've ever been in those services and, and this is multiple nights, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, you feel like every every preacher was At work with me and you know but I'm under conviction I didn't surrender but it was the last night of the missions conference Um, a guy a missionary going to at that time it was Zambia Africa I believe and he didn't preach on missions he preached on the crucifixion Mm. and he closed out the conference by to this day and it's probably got a bit of a personal reason for it but it's to me the most powerful message I've ever heard on the cross of Christ after hearing that I went forward and I knelt down at the altar and said, Lord, I'm being selfish and I'll go wherever you want me to go. Mm-hmm. So.
1: so you mentioned your pastor and uh, kind of passing. Um, it sounds like he's he played a fairly important role in your life. He, he did. Okay, yeah, he did. And the name of the church and your pastor were back in those days? It,
2: Victory Baptist Church, Londonderry, New Hampshire, and it was Calvin Fuller. Okay.
1: Brother Fuller's no longer pastoring, I believe. He's semi-retired or yeah, retired. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, But he was there for a good long time, wasn't
2: he? He started the church. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, that we often heard, when I was in Bible college, you know, New England was a place that, you know, was struggling. But it's good to see God's doing some good things up in New England. I know a lot of church planners that are up there. So
2: Yeah, and yeah. good churches. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, how do you think um, you know you're you're now in Canada? How do you think um, growing up in New England kind of helped prepare you for what God's got you doing now?
2: Um, I think I think culturally it's similar in the sense that uh, New Englanders are pretty pretty reserved, mm-hmm. pretty pretty quiet, and I think Canadians at large mm-hmm. are, are kind of the same way as well. Sure. And I think also the fact that uh, New England. I mean, our church, we saw some, we saw some great things happen. But a lot of churches in New England, it's very slow going, a lot of plotting and mm-hmm. everything. And most churches in Canada, that's what it is. It's just, you know, you don't see exponential growth, but for most places in Canada. So, I think it prepared me in those two ways. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, I would. I would... I mean, again, I'm just observers from both perspectives. I've never lived in New England, never lived in Canada, but I do yes, concur that it seems like there's a somewhat of a similar makeup of most people uh, in those particular areas because, again, most New Englanders are, they, they may have opinions, they may be stubborn, but they, they have, uh, they're very reserved. They're, they're, you know, mm-hmm. you got to almost draw it out of them before they, yeah. they come at you. And, and I find that same thing is true in Canada. Um, so uh, you surrender. Um, you went to school though, not as a single man, you went to school married. So let's talk a little bit about meeting your wife, Leslie and, uh, that courtship and all that stuff. Let's talk a little bit about that.
2: Our pastor, he introduced us okay. and, uh, she
1: was already done with Bible college. So she she had was done
2: with Bible college. She was teaching at the Christian school. Mm-hmm. I showed up, uh, you know, and she, I joked, she did not want to meet me. Mm-hmm. I was still... Some, I was still a heathen uh, you know and so she was a bit uh, gun shy but um, we dated 2 years 1 year and then I proposed to her and it was a 1 year engagement and we just celebrated 30 years this yeah, past no, so year
1: that's wonderful so, so were you uh, were you already dating her when you surrendered to ministry or
2: yes okay. yeah right. so
1: so she kind of watched this development in your life about you know the call to ministry. and
2: you know. She did, and, and for her, um, she took a mission strip to Africa when she was in college, and she, to this day, she loves Africa. Mm-hmm. And I think she always wanted to go to a foreign country, um, serve maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe she felt that way. And I do remember she wrestled with that in our relationship, and our pastor told her, you know if this is the guy you're going to marry you need to marry him for who he is and not who you hope that he'll become mm-hmm. and well, i'm glad she married me and <laughs> <laughs> in spite know, of us they marry us yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but i mean you know so i've dragged her all across the united states and canada <laughs> yeah,
1: right Pretty good so when you uh, finally get that settled you're married you're heading off to bible college where did you land
2: uh, maslin baptist college maslin okay. ohio
1: okay Back in those days, Doctor Bruce Cummins was the yes. was the pastor there, but that that was just a short while, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah,
2: I was. We were there from ninety three to ninety six. Yeah,
1: okay. So I think you. Yeah, he turned the church over like 90, 90 My last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. 95. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, talk a little bit about your Bible college training. Um, how, uh, What did you learn? I, I, obviously, you learned theology, but I mean, what are some of the things
2: specifically that God taught you in Bible college? I think the two biggest things I learned is how dumb I am. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a young man now who went to our church in downtown Vancouver who's in ministry. But... Uh, he was a young man at our church I told him he was uh, he's a graduate of Faithway here in Canada but I told him the biggest lesson I learned in, in college is how much I don't know mm-hmm. that studying the Bible is a lifelong sure. endeavor don't ever get con- content with what you think you know I think the other thing I learned because the only church I had ever known the only pastor I had ever really bonded with had a relationship with was was our church in New Hampshire our pastor and to be on to be honest with you I think my first, few months of my first semester, I had a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing a lot of comparing, and God finally got a hold of my heart and you know reminded me that God used Dr. Cummins to build a great ministry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's, he was completely different than my pastor. Mm-hmm. And then as I began to go into my classes and realize I'm being taught by a lot of pastors who pastor, and they're all different personalities, and they're all different types of churches, that was a great moment for me to realize that I don't have to mimic somebody. God didn't call me to be a puppet. He uses different people and builds different churches. And I think that was, and again, coming to Canada, mm-hmm. it was very good for me to learn yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's vitally important because, again, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast. I want people to realize that you know, there's, it, those that are in ministry come in all different shapes and sizes. They come in all different personality types and yeah. this type of things some are reserved some are outgoing some are some have great talent others have very little talent that it's it's God it's yeah. the, the the Lord who has to do it and we have to see it that way so you finished your Bible college training and uh, when you finished what what was the next step in your life deputation okay so you knew immediately that you're yeah okay.
2: yeah I went to college knowing that God had called me to Canada okay so
1: so specifically when you surrendered, did you know immediately that it was Canada or just was how did that developed? Pretty
2: shortly okay. uh, thereafter. It, it was kind of funny, I guess. I, you know, until my Bible college years, I never, never really left New Hampshire mm-hmm. and uh, thought I'd probably stay there. But, um, you know, we had a, we had a, we had a pastor at a heart for New England, but he also had a heart for the world. And I just, uh, and really praying about it, I don't, I can't remember exactly how I got a burden for Canada, but we did take, we supported a, a church planter in Montreal at the time, and my pastor said, uh, my wife and I were married. He said, you guys should go up together, and you know, I communicated to him, what about Canada? And I think it was on that survey trip that the Lord really broke my heart for Canada, and so I never looked back. I always knew it was Canada. Right.
1: So uh, as soon as you're graduating, you're starting your deputation to get to Canada as a missionary. And uh, how long did that deputation take you? Three years. Three long years, right?
2: Three, yeah, <laughs> we had a, we had our daughter during that three years and everything. Uh, yeah, three years. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did
1: literally drag your wife then across the the country, right? I did, and
2: we did it twice, uh, believe it or
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the other part in just a minute, but so um, you get up here to Canada, where did you land? Is that in Burnaby, is that when you landed? Burnaby, yeah. and so. And then tell people where that's at, Burnaby.
2: Uh, Burnaby is part of, to simplify, it's part of the greater Vancouver area. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's east of Vancouver proper. Okay. Um, so, um, we came, I didn't wanna to come to Canada and just start a church. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come and get my feet wet. And so the Lord allowed us, he opened the door for us to work at Metro Baptist Church with Pastor Russell Mackay. We did that for the first five years, and it was, it was a phenomenal, it was five glorious years, I have to say.
1: Okay. So then what, you were there with five years, and it was kind of getting your feet wet with Canada, trying to figure out the, the differences in the culture, and, and just some practical training. So then the Lord stirred in your heart about doing what?
2: Uh, planting a church. In the downtown core of Vancouver, mm-hmm. a place I never thought I'd go.
1: <laughs> so, kind of explain that. I mean, it's obviously urban, but it's pretty peculiar too. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's not low, lower income, it's pretty higher income, right?
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I, I tell people, especially down in the States, just think of New York City mm-hmm. in, a, in a very smaller, condensed right. area. And that's mm-hmm. what we were in. Yeah. Uh, that's where we started a church. Yeah.
1: So the city of Vancouver sets on water, um, at least bordered by some by yeah. water. Such a beautiful area, mountains and water, and um, the downtown area is uh, just a, you know, a lot of high rise and a lot of condos and apartments yeah. and things like that. So there were there was lots of people to minister to.
2: Oh yeah, there was there was more people in the two condo buildings around us than there is in Duncan proper, yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. So how does one go about starting a church in an urban
1: area like that? So how did, how did that work for you? What did would God use?
2: So we used Baptist Church Planting Ministry. Um, with uh, At the time, he's in heaven now. It was, uh, Earl Jessup was the president. And so he helped organize, get a lot of the churches in the Vancouver area to help us and get behind us. Uh, they also were able to raise the funds so that we could do a mailing of John and Romans. We mailed 86000 so that got a John and Romans into every single condo in the downtown core at that time. Mail is something we relied heavily on because you can't go door knocking. Right? Right. So, um, and so for those initial, we did five, five nights of just startup meetings wow. and John and Romans promoted that. And we had 42 visitors. And from that we did get a few, a couple of our core became some of our core members. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then from there it was just trying to be creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: So, definitely when you're dealing with a downtown, uh, urban type of church situation where people's lives are very busy, it's very, you know, um, lots of material things, it's pretty, pretty tough, tough going. Would, would you agree with that?
2: Oh, yeah, 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 extremely. Fast-paced and, yeah. and transient, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And how long did you guys do that? 12 years. 12 years, okay. Mm-hmm. So at a point, this 12 years uh, into it, I mean, that's a, that's a long time of laboring in a, in a place. But God stirred in your heart a, about um, moving in a different direction. Yeah. Okay. And that involved where you are now, currently. Yes. Yeah. So how did God orchestrate that? What happened there?
2: Um, so, you know, 12 years of plotting. Um, we were struggling financially. Uh, Church was, we had wonderful people, but just stagnant. Uh, And I think for me personally, vision was getting harder to get, which is not really normal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked at maybe shaking things up by maybe trying to find a new location. I didn't really want to do that because we were using hotel conference rooms and even to this day have a great relationship with the manager of the hotel. So I didn't want to do it for that reason. But at the same time, I felt like, you know, I had some friends of mine um, who I would consider they're they're good friends, but they're also the counselors I often lean on. So they were talking to me and all three of them had kind of said, you ever thought about moving? And at first that really irritated me, (laughs) rubbed me the wrong way. But in the end, through talking to them, through praying about it, you know, I realized I should consider Maybe that is what God wants. Uh, Over on the church that we're at now, uh, the pastor had resigned. Um, They had gone through a very difficult transition under his nine years. And basically, you know, there was about 18 active members. They probably ran about 30 on a Sunday, but active members without a pastor, wanted to keep the course. And so they reached out and they got a hold of me. And so I came and candidated in. You know, just felt like this church wants to, and there was nowhere for these people to go, Mm -hmm. so.
1: How long were they without a pastor?
2: I think it was a year and a half. Uh, It's a long time to be without
1: a pastor, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you got here, there was not a a great amount of people, is that correct?
2: No, no, but there was a good, there was a good nucleus who really wanted a pastor and fresh vision and...
1: So how many people were here when you showed up and voted you in as a pastor?
2: I think on an average Sunday morning attendance at the time was probably 30, 35. And I I think it was 18 active members on the roll.
1: So 18 active members. And again, if people could see the facility, it's a fairly significant facility. So financially, it would be... About all they could do just to keep the doors open, I would assume. Right.
2: What sustained us is that they they didn't have to pay a pastor for a couple years. And so there was money in the bank. Mm -hmm. um, And they did ask if I was going to hang on to my support. Mm -hmm. I notified all our supporters and said, this is what we're doing.
1: So you did lose some. I did. Yeah. And then did you have to go raise some additional support to come?
2: Not here. No, okay. I didn't. Um, okay. When you went, tr- we tr- did deputation the second time before we planted the church, church downtown. Okay. All right.
1: Okay. So the the church now. I, I was here in 2019. I came through as I was kind of launching Spiritual Leadership Asia, and uh, had the opportunity to be with you back in those days. And uh, again, I would mm-hmm. I would just say to our listeners, you know, uh, it was course COVID hadn't kicked in yet we, we had, didn't even know what it was yeah. back when I was here with yeah. you it was coming we just didn't know it was coming <laughs> and uh, but the church back in those days I'm, I'm guessing maybe that Sunday I was here maybe had 20 some people here maybe a little bit more um, definitely not I didn't sense there was you know a real vibrancy uh, here so when I came back this time which is three years later and you know two of that was COVID I came back and very pleasantly surprised and blessed by being with you on Sunday, seeing growth in both numerically, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, spirit of the place. So I think there was like maybe 60, close to 70 here Sunday. And so God's blessing, and that's a, that's a tremendous, mm-hmm. tremendous thing. Um, a couple things have happened, which is, a, is a encouragement. And just so folks are aware, you have a, one daughter, you have one child. Uh, yeah. Her name right. is Anna. Anna. Uh, went to Bible College, she went to Faithway and uh, Baptist College in Ajax, Ontario, which is um, outside of Toronto. She came back and, of course, she's a very gifted musician, she can play the piano. And then you also were able to kind of secure, uh, like uh, another guy, um, Bible College graduate, he and his wife, very gifted, very talented people as well. So those type of things, you know, while we don't necessarily think, well, that's key, but those those things have been really key in some of the vibrancy here. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I would definitely. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah.
1: they're all gifted in the realm of music, which, you know, while music isn't the end all, it's certainly having people who know how to play and play well. The instruments that God has given gifted them to really helps the music ministry. So your daughter plays the piano very well, and... Uh, Bethany who is uh, um, uh, Cameron's wife plays the violin very well and Cameron then leads the music and uh, so I noticed that there's you know some younger families you you know with children and and just some real you know it's in a good mix of older people and you know I'm an old person so I I felt right (laughs) at home but uh, uh, (laughs) but it was it was a blessing and So, you know, sometimes people have, you know, we we want that instant growth and we want that stuff just to explode, but it takes time really. And you're just here like like five years. And as I shared with you, I really feel like when a man takes a church, it takes about five years for it to begin to take on the personality of the pastor and and to get his mindset. And so it's a blessing to me to see God has blessed in that regard.
2: Well, it's the Lord. I can't take any credit for it.
1: Well, and you know, again, we were at breakfast this morning with a couple of the pastors from the island area here, and both Baptist pastors, and they both were sharing, too, that their congregations are doing fairly well, and that's that's yeah. encouraging. It's exciting to see God is blessing that way. So what are some of the challenges, like pastoring in, a, in an area where you are? What, what are some of the things that you face?
2: Um, I would say, number one, the age of the church has its benefits, but it has its, you know, Uh, you know, you meet people who came here years ago and it's, it's good. And sometimes it's just kind of, I wonder why they left or Mm. those kinds of things. There are a lot of, there's a lot of churches in our area as far, you know, of all different stripes that that's a challenge as well. Um, and I think that, uh, again, I think the big thing with, with just, and I think a lot of Canadian guys would say this, it's just the slow, it, it can take a long time before, you know, there's people uh, we've been praying for for a while that would, you know, would get saved and you just keep trying and you keep trying and it's just that constant plodding mm-hmm. of just, and there are days where you think, you know, is this ever going to grow again? Right,
1: right. So, well, I often like like in, uh, churches to like a, a physical body. So when a child is born, you know you sometimes you see that in the first year or two, you see that somewhat a, a rapid development. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that child growing every day. you know, um, I'm a grandparent, so um, some of my grandchildren live a little distance away from me, I don't see them that often, but it seems like, you know, because I don't see them that often. When I see them, there's this marked difference in them. And so if you're around it all the time, you're not noticing. And so it's like what I noticed when I came back here: is this right. really vibrant growth and development. And again, sometimes when you're just going through it and you're you're doing it, it's it's hard sometimes to even see that that's happening. But others help us bring that new perspective. Right. So and it's it's a great blessing. So there, there are challenges no matter where you are. Um, Again, I would think that one of the challenges here is that there's such great beauty that sometimes people find other things to do rather than go to church. Would that be also? A yeah, church?
2: yeah. It's a, it's a great outdoor mecca for sure, mm-hmm. and you know people are always outside. Mm-hmm. And summertime, they've all got their RVs and they're mm-hmm. going camping and mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. for sure, yeah, yeah. So
1: for the folks that are unfamiliar with uh, Vancouver Island, um, it sets off the Mainland of Canada and is kind of stuck out in the water and one end is the the inlet to Vancouver and the other end is the Pacific Ocean, Pacific Ocean. so what are some of the What's the, the weather like and how's it how's that affect you?
2: Uh, it's Tropical I guess you'd call it We you know, our rainy season's getting ready to come in here probably in October um, Which means what? Rain. <laughs> it means rain. It means we won't see the sun now. Well, we won't see the sun a lot for, uh-huh. for several months. And so, uh, but the summers are generally, I think, I think they're beautiful. The last couple have been a little warmer than usual and a little drier than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's starting a new trend, but yeah, it's going to, you know, and it'll be in the thirties in the winter, probably.
1: Which so. is Celsius, which, yeah, for folks. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm referring to thirties yeah, yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Oh, Fahrenheit. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. you know, okay. it'll,
2: it'll get down, okay. it'll get down below freezing oh, a little right. bit.
1: Okay. All right. So, all right. And then, so uh, summers, I think you shared with me this summer, you had some days that are bumping up close to hundred. Is that correct?
2: Last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a very difficult summer. We had right. people actually die because
1: mm. Most people here don't have central air conditioning in their homes because they don't necessarily need it.
2: Right, yeah, because that that was abnormal. That was unusual. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. And then, so, you know, but it is a, a very, very beautiful, beautiful area. So folks need to understand that you know, you can't drive to this place, right? No. <laughs> you, no. You, you either take a ferry or a, a plane here. A boat
2: plane or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, a plane into yeah. one of the airports.
1: I think it's quite interesting because most people's idea of a ferry, you know, <laughs> again, some people have seen them. But these are significant ferries. I mean, they carry yeah. lots of cars, a couple decks worth of cars, and then a few decks with, full of just passengers. But... Uh, uh it's it's about an hour or so about an hour and 40 minutes from the mainland to the island on the ferry yeah but uh it's it's nice it's certainly a beautiful ride i came i got here on saturday flew into vancouver from california and got on the ferry and just watching the sunset it's just a beautiful beautiful experience so it's just very nice but so just uh, as we're kind of concluding today, what would be just some challenges that, uh, that you would throw out to a younger man who's considering the, the work of the Lord in the ministry? What, what would you challenge him? And what, what would you say to a young man? You, know? um, you mean as far as trying to encourage him or trying yeah, to? Yeah, just try. If you're trying to encourage a younger guy's considering God and, and considering perhaps God has something for him.
2: I would, you know, I think the thing that I'm trying to Latch on to is the fact that sometimes maybe it's my nature. Maybe it's my disposition I can look at all of the negative things. I can look at all of the things that uh, I can beat myself up over a mistake um, I can whatever the case may be But I think the thing i've been thinking about is that god is still great mm-hmm. And I we look at uh, we were talking about the cultural issues earlier this morning at breakfast I can look at that that can scare me that can intimidate me that can confuse me. But I think the verse has been going through my mind a lot, as great as our Lord and of great power, his understanding is infinite. I think I would encourage him that God is greater than all the greatest obstacles. He's greater than all the greatest challenges. He's greater than my greatest weaknesses. Sure. And he knows, when he calls us, he knows that he's not getting perfect people yeah. as pastors.
1: Well, you know, when you look in the Bible, some of the greatest characters in the Bible Face some of the greatest challenges. You have Joseph who was faced such great adversity, you know, sold by his brothers into slavery, down in a different, talking about a different culture, you know, yeah. different language, uh, no, no church, no Bible, uh, you know, it's just, but yet he had a dream. Yeah. Uh, we look at Moses raised in Pharaoh's household, but understanding at a point he's not Egyptian, he's Hebrew. And wanting to identify with the people of God, choosing to suffer the affliction with the people of God, than to, to enjoy this, the the uh, you know the treasures of sin or the pleasures of sin for a season, mm-hmm. then then we look at a, a guy like Daniel thrust into uh, heathen culture in Babylon. Yeah. So again, we, we have to understand that these are not while they are unique challenges to our generation, they're not unique in in, the, in terms of what God has right. for His people. Mm-hmm. So we we have to understand, and people listening have to understand that you know every every. Time period throughout the Bible has always had challenges. The world has never been a friend to grace, and yeah. uh, but we're we're living in a time in which, to me, what the what's exciting is that we can be on the welcoming committee to the King of Kings <laughs> and the Lord of Lords as He returns to set up His kingdom. You know, yeah. while well, we're going to be raptured out during the tribulation, we're coming back to reign with Him, and that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, w- what a blessing that is to to be a part of this generation and. The things that we're seeing happening around us just, again, just can cause us to just be a little bit more excited about that. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank our la- our listeners for being uh, part of Labors in the Harvest. I want to thank you, Brother Velvo, for uh, joining me today.
2: Well, thank you. It's been my privilege. Yeah
1: and it's uh, if we can help you and if we can uh, you know if you got a question or comment or you want to reach out to me i can put you in contact with brother beliveau if you have an interest in coming to duncan and help in the work of god i'm sure he could use some more labors here we'll take it. (laughs) Uh, so if you have an interest in that reach out to me and i can put you in contact with him i will tell you that the church here is a very diverse church of different uh, ethnicities and uh, i love that i love that about churches that we're seeing today that a lot of different uh, it's not just one kind of people it's all kinds of people that God is saving and and making part of his his family and that's that's an encouragement we do pray that God will give you a a wonderful uh, day wherever you may be if you're listening to this in the night season when you're not able to sleep I pray that after you're listening you're done listening you can sleep well but just let's just serve the Lord faithfully let's be what God wants us to be because he is looking for faithful labors in his harvest. Have a great day. This is Kevin Folger. It's our pleasure to join you
0: today. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and/or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, KevinFolger.com We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.